thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. And a very happy Saturday afternoon to you, my thirsty listener. And uh, if the sound of my voice is nipping at your ears at this very moment, you know that you're riding the earth with us here at the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. And as always, I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian. And if you're joining us for the first time, you know, or you don't know, that this little show of mine is dedicated to all things liquid and delicious, with a special leaning towards potent potables, specifically spirits, cocktails, beers, and wines, with occasional forays into tea and coffee, along with the fine folks and joints that serve them up, be them right here in P-Town, the City of Roses, Hops and Hipsters, or uh, as you've experienced in the past, perhaps, points parts far, far beyond. So uh, today the mobile liquid lifestyle studio is planted in my uh, little cocktail bar pizzeria here in the Pearl District oven and shaker that I have with my partners, Kathy and Kurt. Uh, love sitting in here and uh, relaxing and chatting with fantastic industry folk. Uh, and today uh, I'm really excited to have my buddy John Plew of Concept Entertainment, uh, just uh, a gentleman I've known for quite some time, uh, who's had just enormous, enormous success uh, in uh, the food and beverage industry. And uh, it's really uh, what I'm what I'm most excited about with regards to this conversation is just, you know, how long John's been in Portland and, and, and his ability, I think, to articulate kind of the evolution of nightlife uh, and hospitality over the last 30 years. So uh, without further ado, uh, ado, John, how the heavens are you this morning or this afternoon? I should say I miss that sometimes. Fantastic. Thank you. It's great to have you, man. So uh, like I was saying in the intro, dude, it's just like, uh, man, you've been doing this a while, man. John, how long have you been in this industry? Uh, I started out when I was 18 in downtown Portland uh, in 1981. Wow, 81, man. That's it's, it's and you're looking great, dude. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what you're doing. We got to figure out what the John Plew uh, fitness regimen is. But uh, you've been doing this. Where did you start out? What was in '81? What are you doing? I had a teenage nightclub actually downtown. The first no one was called the Blue Kangaroo, and then we slowly moved to a more viable spot on Broadway in Washington that now is the Plaza Hotel, which was called the Plaza Dance Club for underage individuals. Okay, so you have the plaza, and that's that's eighty-one. And uh, were you bartending before that, or I mean, no? I was working in a delicatessen okay. in downtown Portland in Morgan's Alley, and uh, the gentleman that I was working for was my backer for the nightclub. Became my partner, and still is my partner today after thirty-three years. Wow, that says a lot about you, man. That's really cool, and uh, I'm sure uh, you've seen some seen some uh, some in- incredible things over that period of time. So you got the night the the nightclub, uh, the underage nightclub, uh, and then uh, what's your next step after that, man? Yeah, that's good. So at that point as well, I had a video arcade. So if we all remember retro video games, oh, they were very man. popular. So we had a video arcade, an underage nightclub, and a hamburger stand all in one. And being the age I was and the success of the nightclub took off, I chose to sublease the restaurant because I didn't want the responsibilities of the restaurant, the video arcade, and running a nightclub at 18 years old. So after that, we had about a three-year run 
uh, with the nightclub, did very well, and somebody came to town uh, and pretty much took our market. And it was probably one of the biggest lessons I ever learned about never have all your eggs in one basket and never get complacent because in the nightclub business it can go away quick. Yeah. So at that put me at 21, 22-ish, and I pretty much at that point said, why don't I take a little time off? I didn't go to college. You know, I was in working, doing my own business, and uh, took a little break and then try to figure out the next steps. Okay, so you take a break after the underage nightclub. This is 81. What, what is Portland's... Man, this is an exciting opportunity for me to just ask them, what does Portland's like nightlife and uh, and beverage scene look like back in 81, 82, 83? I mean, I know you were doing a, the arcade and the underage nightlife at that time, but what do you remember? Like, where were you hanging out, man? I mean, was that the Pilsner Room? Was that, uh-huh. was that the Copper Penny? What was going on, man? Well, you know, it's interesting thinking back about that because I then was 21, 22, but I still owned underage nightclub and start thinking about getting into more of the alcoholic side of the business. Um, you know, Portland was really in a tough spot during that point. That's mid-80s, so, you know, we were kind of trying to figure out ourselves. Seattle was really starting to pick up steam. You know, you had Satyricon for the punk scene. That was very relevant at oh, the I time. Oh, I remember that bad boy, dude. Yeah, and a lot of legendary, you know, punk and alternative bands played there. You had... Um, places like Virginia Cafe, um, which was very popular uh, over by Nordstrom's. You had, you know, classic restaurants downtown. Downtown, I would say, was a little more uh, restauranty than it is currently because you didn't have a Pearl District. You didn't have a Central East Side for hospitality. Um, and then you had Pine Street Theater was a bigger venue. Starry Night, which is now Roseland. Oh, the Starry Night, man. I remember here. I don't even know if I ever made it into that place, man. But I do remember, like, coming home from Blazer Games as a kid, and there'd always be some at the Starry Night or something like that, man. Uh, what was your What was your favorite, like, watering hole back then? I mean, you strike me as maybe a VQ guy back then, man. You know, classy and, like, good meeting spot. I mean, VQ is old school Portland, too. Yeah, VQ was nice, you know. Um, I really like the VC, the Virginia Cafe, because it had a little more grit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Portland, especially back then, you know, stepping back and kind of looking at it, you know, Portland was a mine, you know, mining and timber and fishing and very industrial town at that point. It wasn't very huh. polished like it. I would say it's more polished now, even though you know it's Portlandia. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was very dependent on those industries and. Um, you know, Nike was still pretty young, which is, I, I had to think about this, you know, I mean, really Nike was pretty small comparatively to how big they are now, right. you know, and I think that has spawned on, you know, a lot of offshoots and Adidas wasn't here and things of that nature. So, you know, Portland really started to take shape, I think more towards the latter part of the the 80s, early 90s. At that point, in the mid 90s or mid 80s, pardon me, I think we were kind of stuck. Okay. So the plane was still on the runway back then. It hadn't quite uh, hadn't quite uh, gotten up uh, and and out. But uh, uh, so uh, you've got uh, you've got this interesting period, kind of pre kind of Portland the way it is now. Uh, what you take that break? What's next after that for John Plew? Yeah. So I took a couple of years. Just said, you know, what do I really want to do? And just kind of took a you know, time. I went down to Eugene and kind of looked at, you know, what I missed not going to school. Kind of hung out with some people at the college 
level and just hung out. And I said, well, I don't want to do this. Played a little Frisbee, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, a little Frisbee and went to some uh, parties and such. So then I came back to Portland, you know. Um, I didn't really move down there. I just went down there and visited and did some side work. And really at that point, I opened up another um, venture with uh, another gentleman, Dan Lenzen, who became a partner of mine for 28 years, as well as my original partner, Russ Tizing. Uh, and we went into a pre-existing live music venue called the Rodeo, which is right around the corner from the Lotus Card Room, which we own now. And it's interesting because Portland was just starting to see the change from live music to pre-recorded. And I always had pre-recorded um, nightclub experience and felt like I was bringing a lot of music to Portland. You couldn't get music at your fingertips. So I would fly to LA or drive, go to Melrose and pick up, you know, vinyl and bring it back so that I could break music in Portland. And then eventually I kind of got bored with LA and started going to New York to get music. That's really cool, man. I mean, like just, I, I, you know, I knew that about you, but I had forgotten that you have a really deep passion for the music experience, which, you know, really, as I think about uh, all the stuff you've done, it, it, you know, the music's always been a massive part of everything uh, that I've seen you do. And so, so this concept, it's, it's not yet, so this is next to the Lotus. This is the Rodeo, you said? Correct. Okay. So, and then the Lotus, is the Lotus next? Because that's where I first kind of think about John Plew is like the Lotus car room. Because that was, man, late 80s, early 90s, big deal that place was, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't quite next, but it was definitely the first of really concept entertainments. Sorry, I actually got to jump in, yep. John. Our first segment is coming to a close. Folks, we're talking to John Plew from Concept Entertainment. We will be back at you for a second segment in just a moment. And welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Once again, this is your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian, and the mobile studio is planted right here at Oven and Shaker today. And we're talking to John Plew, the president uh, of Concept Entertainment. Uh, like I was saying in the last uh, segment, you know, John's an old friend of mine. John has seen, you know, John's been doing this for 30-something years, and he's, few people have seen Portland evolve from a nightlife and restaurant perspective over the years, like my friend John. And uh, in the last segment, we were kind of learning about his beginning beginnings uh you know starting with the uh the underage nightclub and and the video arcades man i remember video arcades and uh i'd love to see those things come back but uh you know john uh you know as we were talking you know john you you were moving forward and i think uh we ended talking about the rodeo and then uh yeah let's start there so the rodeo remind me what year that is uh 1986 okay and it was a live music venue which had started to run its life and pre-recorded as I had mentioned before being DJ really uh, had started to come in and so I had partnered with uh, Dan Lenzen and my partner Russ and brought on one other partner at that point and literally I was the DJ one partner collected the money at the door the other partner was the bartender and we were really pretty much like promoters at that spot and so we made it really exciting and happening and uh, we didn't own it we just really were the promoters but we made enough money to then go and open another uh, underage nightclub 
which we did in the old uh, Euphoria building, which is on the central east side. Uh, it's been many nightclubs down in the warehouse district. In fact, it was called the warehouse. And um, so we were there from 1986 to about 1989. And at that point, I was starting to rethink again, what do I want to do? Okay, so 1989, and and then you take a little break, another little break there? Yes. Yeah, and what I happens decided, then? You know, I was really challenged with where Portland was because it wasn't, again, moving uh, in a forward-moving direction. And so I took a break and moved to New York City. Uh, I was very fortunate. A good friend of mine from Portland uh, had lived there for four or five years, and every time I'd go back to visit to buy music and do research for you know, fashion and for food and, and drinks and everything, I would stay with him. And he said, well, why don't you just come stay with me? He was a model. And uh, so it was great. So we just lived in a little studio apartment. And I kicked around for about six months. And, I, you know, I kind of was frustrated with where Portland was. And I said, you know, maybe what I should do instead of being frustrated was go back and try to actually help it along and, okay. you know, mature it from a beverage, food and beverage side. Okay. versus just a music side. Were there any particular New York experiences at the time? Again, this is really early 90s, right, John? 89. 89. I mean, do you recall any places or revelations, particularly in uh, an experiential nightlife in New York at that time that influenced you moving forward? But there definitely was on the nightlife. I, I think the biggest experience probably that led me to move back was, and it's a funny story because it wasn't a nightlife. I was literally in Barney's. I was riding my bike, because uh, that's all I had. I just took a bag of clothes and my bicycle. And I was in Barney's looking at some, just some clothes and s such, and all of a sudden they're selling flannel shirts and playing Nirvana and Pearl Jam. And I'm going, wait a minute, this is from Seattle and Portland. Trends don't come from Portland. Right. It's the first time I'd ever seen anything come from really the West Coast East okay. versus everything from London to New York to Portland. And I think that was a, really a change on how the trends started from music and fashion from the Northwest. And then I think the beer, the wine, and as we've seen, culinary is now driven from the West to the East and many inspirations, you know, people like yourself. Dude, I have never thought of it, thought of, the, you know, linking what happened in music and fashion with the grunge situation in Seattle with the the timeline of how you know nightlife and food and beverage experiences uh, have expanded here in the Northwest actually I think that's one of the most insightful things that I've heard because I you know me I love story and, and I love understanding how things come together that's really 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 cool so you uh, have this revelation that the West is now starting to be an influencer which probably makes you think that it might be ready for some you know next level experiences on the nightlife side you come back to Portland what do you do I came back to Portland. I still had a teenage nightclub here. I took a sabbatical from the group, and I came back and said, we need to open a dive bar. And they said, well, what's a dive bar? And I just said, well, it's the crummiest, dirtiest old place you could find and make it really hip at night. And during the day, it's still a dive bar, you know, a lot of the old guys hanging out the bar and drinking Meister Brow. And so uh, that's when we stumbled onto the Lotus, which was a legendary dive bar it was notorious and uh, it was a perfect setting with yeah. the card room in the back and so we bought that April 1st 1990 it was about three months after I moved back from New York man I'm just about to graduate from Sunset High School at that time man. I don't, don't mean to date you on that so so you got the Lotus uh, you signed the lease uh, 
And uh, it, as I recall, you know, once I did get turned 21, I, I made many trips to the Lotus card room. Uh, and, and how long did it take for that thing to take off? Well, the nightclub took off pretty quickly because that's where we had our experience and background, and we really didn't want the food component at that point. Um, and that was the first time really Concept Entertainment started to bring in a food, beverage, entertainment component all together. So I brought on a another partner from McCormick & Schmick's because they were a local, larger restaurant company to really oversee the food. And at that point, my brother had joined the team as more of a bar uh, influence. So we had a really good balance between the partners. Um, my partner Dan built them. I designed them and did all the, you know, the branding and the music and you know making sure everything flows together so now we had the food guy the bar guy the entertainment guy the builder capital guy and that's how we started man this is so interesting you know our conversation last week with john janulis and jake carey who are kind of like at the forefront of nightlife here in 2015 you know the conversation was very similar it's like it, how important it is to just not try to do everything yourself and not try to be the master of everything, but like, what are you exceptional at? Find people you trust and surround yourself with them. Everybody has an acumen. Everybody can feel secure in that acumen and what they offer to the bigger group. That's such good advice, I think, for the young restaurateur is is to find that group of people you trust and make sure everybody has a different acumen, yeah? Correct. No, I think it's just, you know, utilizing everybody's skills and you develop your own skills over time and at first, you have to wear many hats, but eventually you want to try to narrow your focus. And, you know, that kind of leads down the road of how to really best be more diversified in your ventures. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, dude, this conversation's flying by. we got to jump out. Third segment coming at you. Back at you in a moment. And welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Uh, hope you're having a fantastic Saturday afternoon. Hopefully you're warm. Uh, hopefully you're not wet. Maybe you got a frosty or warm beverage in your grubby little mitts. But uh, either way, I hope you're uh, enjoying the conversation we're having with John Plue from Concept Entertainment, a gentleman that's been involved in Portland nightlife and restaurants for over 30 years. And he's just, man, he's just teeing up such a sweet kind of linear story of how Portland has evolved from a nightlife and restaurant perspective since the late 80s. And, you know, just catching up on the last segment, uh, we were uh, talking about his his very, very well-known and very successful original nightclub, uh, the Lotus Card Room, which uh, he launched in April of 19... It was April of 1990, right? That's correct. Okay, so you got that. That's starting to take off. And then the thing that I... The place, if I think of a, uh, an establishment that, that John Plew has put together that I spent more time in, in my kind of college days coming home from uh, from Eugene, it would have been the Gypsy up on 21st, man. And uh, man, how did the Gypsy come together? That was, to me, the Gypsy was like, in my mind, back in the early 90s, was that first cool, almost ultra lounge situation, man. How did that come together? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, coming off the Lotus, uh, it was about two years later after we'd opened the Lotus, and uh, Northwest Portland was really just starting to pop. And uh, Casa Betcha was across the street, which was a legendary Mexican restaurant. I would say it was probably one of the first culinary-driven 
like hip restaurants in Portland that then ended up going to Seattle and being very successful in both markets. And uh, and so, if I could jump in yeah. real quick right there, I mean, like for the cocktail people out there, there's, there's been some legends that came out of that. I mean, uh, Marco Dionysus, who eventually uh, would lead, uh, would work at Saucebox, then go down and basically, I think, kind of would be a linchpin, if not the center point of the craft cocktail scene in San Francisco. And Mark Joseph, who's been, in my opinion, one of the great bartenders on the West Coast, he's holding the bar up over at uh, at El Gaucho these days. But uh, I just I felt like I just wanted to jump in, add a little bit of uh, kind of cool color on that. But yeah, we've got that 21st Castle, you betcha, and then back to the Gypsy. Yeah, so the Gypsy was right across the street, and it became available, and it ended up, you know, it was an old family that owned the property. And um, it had been there called the Gypsy. And one of the things I really have enjoyed over time is taking older properties and really celebrating the heritage instead of erasing it, kind of bringing it back. Like with the Lotus, we didn't change the name. We just enhanced it and tried to get back to its roots. And um, the Gypsy had been there for a long time as an old neighborhood watering hole. And uh, it was the first time that I actually had a chance to probably bring the whole concept together even though there was an existing place to where we closed it down really brought in you know new furniture not just used furniture you know really was able to hire a graphic designer and pull the logo in and the food and everything from the beginning and uh so we opened in july of 2000 or 1992 and it just took off right out of the gate i mean that yeah i remember that thing being just packed there were lines i mean yeah it was a revelation and what i liked was to me as i look back on portland it was that first place that wasn't so much a nightclub like i said it was more of a lounge it was more free flow i mean when i think of what exists today that would be the closest thing to it i look at jackknife over at the sentinel hotel that we were talking about on uh, last week's episode it was this place where like if you don't like to dance you could still go and feel like you're in the energy. If you want a boogie, you could do that. You created this multi-layered experience. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to work with a, a great nightlife, uh, I guess, I love the word impresario, down in L.A. for a little bit, Brent Bolthouse. And one thing I learned from him was the importance of layered experience and reveals. And I remember specifically that the Gypsy had that main room, which kind of felt like a kind of an art deco diner with great music and good vibe. But then you had like that ramp down, and then it got dark, and that felt like a nightclub. Club. Was that something? With, did you? Was that like really intentional, or it just happened that way? Yeah, it was very intentional. In fact, that that was the first restaurant that we had done without dancing. Billiards was the deal, and cigars were coming in. And actually, I would say that was really the beginning of the whole cocktail recreation because uh, it was a martini bar, and it was Gypsy Restaurant and Velvet Lounge. I don't really reflect that's right, on the that, Velvet but, Lounge. But man. it was Velvet Lounge. I still own all the I. Um, hired the Pander Brothers, local uh, comic artist, to do velvet paintings. And I still have the artwork. It's amazing. And it was very swank, you know. And uh, the biggest lesson I also learned was is sometimes too much success in the wrong neighborhood can cause issues, which it did for us. We had too many people too late with residential in the neighborhood. That must have been a tough thing to deal that, with. That was tough. It, it took us many years to unwind that. Yeah. And... 
you know, that lasted for, what, 15 years? Just just as it was? I mean, that's Correct. incredible, man. Yeah, 15 years. And uh, do you still, st- yeah, I mean, so the Gypsy's no longer open right now, but is there, I mean, are you still involved with that location? In some no, we, we actually just closed it, and um, the, the owner of the building who inherited is, is going to put an apartment building. Oh, like, okay. Imagine well, that. that. Uh, imagine that, right. I can see that. You know, 21st, I feel like, I hope, I mean, to me, I, I'm waxing nostalgic. Like, 21st was a big part of my early adulthood, like, social scene. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it hasn't evolved too much in, in the past, in my opinion. And the, you know, because you've got the Pearl, you've got Portlandia over on the east side of the Willamette Ocean. Uh, so I, I hope there's kind of a resurgence of awesome, cool stuff over there. But, uh, you know, what I'm, what I'm tracking on with regards to your career, John, is, you know, you start with just a very focus, a focus solely on vibe with the underage nightclub. So it's vibe. It's not food. It's just, you know, it's a room that you've got to get people to want to come in and have a good time. You, you, you spend time traveling, you open Lotus, you have a lot of success, time to taking that original thing, taking it to the adults. To me, now I see Gypsy in your story, and, uh, and you've kind of begun to start thinking about the food component, the service component, and uh, just the product component. You know, everybody who listens to this show knows I talk a lot about ESP, environment, service, and product. You were really an environment guy moving towards product. Uh, so after the Gypsy, you know, uh, what did you do next? Because, I mean, I, I, it was, when did, so for people who don't know, John owns a group of restaurants in town called the Thirsty Lion that has expanded out of Portland, which has had mad success because, in my opinion, it really does nail ESP. It has a really great vibe, has great service, has great product. What was was there something in between uh, that? There was a couple things in between that. Yeah. Oh, well, well, that or a lot. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, so really, uh, the the company when we started Gypsy, the LLC that we started was called Restaurant Concepts Inc. Okay. Because that was the first time we really said we're going in the restaurant business. And again, I think another milestone was Zephyro was hot. Oh, dude, Zephyro is a linchpin in this city, right? Correct. I mean, you know, Bruce Carey and Chris Israel, and that was on 21st also, right? right? I mean, so 21st was pretty much where it was at. And, you know, um, so we went down and opened up a French restaurant called Toulouse. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I almost got in a fight there once, man. The Le Penier Bakery, which since moved to Seattle and they're right next to Starbucks's home actually and have been there forever on Pike Street but um, we opened a French restaurant that was mirrored after a San Francisco restaurant Lulu's okay and uh, but I'll tell you that was another turning point in Portland and I think the West Coast was because the Culinary Institute had opened in Napa that's right Greystone right so no longer was everybody coming from Hyde Park New York Everybody was going to the West Coast. The wineries started in Napa. Portland wine wasn't quite on the map yet. The breweries just started in the kind of the 80s and the wine was trailing. So the food was coming before the wine. And so people like Chris and Bruce that cut their teeth down in San Francisco like at Zuni. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. Came up here, came back home and matured their skills and brought it back to Portland. They saw fertile soil just like you did, man. So yeah, that's I totally spaced Toulouse and thinking about our time together today, I was like, uh, that's right, Toulouse was, and you crushed that, did you not? Well, we did from a, an appearance standpoint. I think that's another lesson about, you know, just because you're busy doesn't mean there's more money coming in than going out. And right. uh, after about two years uh, and I made a couple of errors there, I learned something. I needed a stronger food 
uh, person to, at the table and a stronger general manager. So we got everybody there, but you have to execute all the details to get them to come back. So that's when we started Bar 71 with half of the space because I needed to stay alive because we were losing money. So I resorted back to my other skill set, which was a nightclub business. And literally, we took the outdoor courtyard and made it an outside nightclub. Oh, man, that's right. Bar 71. Man, I, uh, I can remember the bartenders. I, I, you've, it's really cool, man. It's really cool having this conversation because it's like I, I forget how much of my kind of early life out in the, you know, being out in Portland nightlife uh, was built around uh, going to places that you created. So we got to jump out. That is the end of our third segment. We're talking to John Plew from Concept Entertainment. Back at you for a final segment in just a moment. Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. We're chatting with John Plew, an old buddy of mine. Been around for been around the Portland scene for about thirty years. Uh, just helped define, not I mean, almost single-handedly defined nightlife over that period of time here in P-town. Uh, and uh, as we left off on the last segment, man, we were we were talking about Bar Seventy One, early nineties. And I'm just going to fast forward us a bit because I want to get to something that's really exciting, which is your foray, true kind of all-in foray into the restaurant space, which you've had a ton of success with but uh, you know from bar 71 you just kind of went on a rampage of developing nightlife concepts i mean barracuda who doesn't remember barracuda i mean that location in the erickson saloon of all places i mean i don't think a lot of people remember but you know that 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 historical location for a bar man that's so cool and then the dixie i don't think a lot of people know that you conceived the dixie uh and then you jumped the river uh and 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 really you know kind of evolved your the food space of what you were doing with Grand Central, but we could talk about all those things in mass, and we only got a few more minutes here today. I want to talk about the Thirsty Lion. So, if you haven't been to the Thirsty Lion, there uh, there's several of them about town, and I believe, uh, and you're going to correct me if I'm wrong. I know there's one down in Arizona, uh, and I think you're working on a few other ones. But uh, you know what's cool about the Thirsty Lion to me is I go in and I it, it reads like what it is. It looks like a restaurant that has been developed by somebody who has been in the nightlife space for a very, very long time and has learned the lessons of success in that space and applied them to a restaurant, a restaurant with just a super singing vibe, uh, warm service, um, all those things. So, uh, you know, tell me about all about the Thirsty Lion, John. Yeah, so Thirsty Lion, actually, it's interesting. It evolved originally from the space that was Toulouse, which was Bar 71, and then evolved to the Thirsty Lion. Was that So that was the first one? Yeah, that was the first one. And the whole idea was is I wanted something that had a longer shelf life. After creating many entertainment brands, you have a short shelf life. So Kell's Irish Pub was across the street, and I watched them for many, many years be successful. And I said, gosh, I'd really like to have an English pub. So we did it. started off with an English pub pub platform, but quickly recognized that English food is not a very strong culinary food to market to Americans. So after about three years, that's when we moved and I brought on another level of talent on the food and the operations side. 
uh, Keith Castro and Wes Curl, who had come from Pacific Coast Restaurants after their company had been sold. Uh, they were employees, and I brought them on as operating partners with me to really evolve Thirsty Line into more of the gastro pub space. We opened in Washington Square, out in Tigard, Oregon, suburban market in 2010 with the intentions if it worked we would start rolling them out uh, locally here and then start to make it into a regional uh, company so uh, we opened there I uh, had huge success still have we just celebrated five years and then um, 12 months later we opened our second one in Tempe Arizona <coughs> um, and people asked why Tempe Arizona uh, but there was many reasons I wanted to test the market outside of the Pacific Northwest to make sure that it wasn't just a Pacific Northwest thing with like you know very forward-thinking food craft beers craft cocktails would this transfer to more of a mainstream market like Scottsdale or Tempe and so we opened there and we've been open for four years and have done very well we opened our second one in Arizona a year ago in Scottsdale and then we came back uh, after opening Tempe and opened our third one in uh, Tannisborn, which is even more suburban out towards Intel and Nike and again I think there's a little bit of a thread there that just because people live out there doesn't mean that the expectation of the food and beverage has to stop at wherever the West Hills Right. In fact, a lot of people live out there because of their lifestyle for their family. And so I was able to bring the suburban you know, marketplace a little more of an urban expectation and delivery of food, service, entertainment. And it's worked very well. So then we went to Denver, Colorado and opened up a very large restaurant in downtown Thirsty Lion. And Denver is a very exciting place. I would say that they want to be like Portland in many ways uh, from a culinary and a beverage scene and they're they're picking up a lot of steam um, but their economy and some of the things they're doing is very dynamic so yes we if they'd uh, only move that darn airport a little bit closer to town they have a high-speed rail now that's going to open in six months so uh, that'll help because it is it's an hour away so we have our um, our seventh location under construction right now in Gilbert Arizona that'll be our third in Phoenix and our eighth location in Cherry Creek, uh, which is a very nice neighborhood in Denver, and that's where we're at with the Thirsty Lion growth. Dude, you have uh, man, you're such an you're an inspiration to me, man. Like you, it's just so fun to sit and hear, just listen to the experience that you have and the passion that you have, and just you have. I hope you write a book one day, man, because you have so much to share with people. So we got to jump out, man. That's the end of the show. This thing goes fast. John Plew from Concept Entertainment, so awesome to have you, folks. I hope you enjoyed that interview. We got to get. Out, man, and uh, once again, as always, this is your on-air host and bartender Ryan McGarry, and reminding you to always drink your best. 